You are now listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room With your host, C-Dope It's your boy C. The Walker I got my boys with me Mike G Get your weight up, strength and conditioning, development Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. With special guests, J-G-T-A-T. Let's go! War Eagle, War Eagle, Auburn family. And welcome to the latest Wednesday Night War Room. If you are new to the Wednesday Night War Room and the War Report, our live shows, here's what you need to do. You need to smash that like button, of course. You need to also drop a War Eagle if you're Auburn family in the comment section. And if you're not Auburn family, you need to drop your city and state in the comments so we know where you're streaming from. Welcome, by the way. And something that we'll need you guys to do for us, you found us, so help others find us. Please be sure to share our videos, add us on Twitter if you're a Twitter user. Also, if you're on Facebook, you can use hashtag GetYourWeightUp. That helps us out a ton. Welcome, JG. How are you, sir? I am awesome. love being here with you guys uh, without Ike, but I still love the three of you guys. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we got a lot to discuss. Um, I am drinking tonight. I tend to drink on your show. I'm not saying you bring that out of me. I probably will be drinking anyway. Probably. Well, we do have a question. We do have a question from James Coleman, War Eagle. Shout out to you, my brother. What is that you have there? This is Calumet 14. Mm. Uh, difficult to find in the state of Alabama, but maybe not difficult where you guys are. This was hooked up with me by my friend Ryan M., who's a bunker member. And uh, we're drinking that out of a glass. It says the brain drain Commodore on that bad boy. Nice. So, let's, uh, let's drink up. Tell us in the chat what you guys are drinking tonight. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, it's Wednesday. I don't need to be drinking. Maybe you do. Well, it's good to have you on. It's, it's, it seems like uh, now that we form this relationship, it's even more awesome having you on to hang out with us and just talk about Auburn football and what's been happening in college football, man. Uh, listen, it's some drama going on concerning two schools in a conference that seems to be struggling. Uh, As a matter of fact, it just got released that the Big 12 commissioner sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN alleging that they have been basically conspiring on their downfall, so to speak, just to put it in so many words. So yeah, JG, like, what are your thoughts about the news of OU, Oklahoma, Texas, jumping ship, wanting to be a part of the SEC. What are your thoughts about that move? I think this is huge for the SEC. The SEC is the preeminent spot for college football in the country, and I think by adding Texas and Oklahoma, uh, they just enhance their position like that. But you know, I think that we're not done here. I think the fact that Texas and Oklahoma are fleeing puts pressure on the rest of the Big 12 to do something. And when that starts happening, that starts to shake up potentially the Pac-12, uh, Pac- uh, the ACC, and whatever Notre Dame wants to do. Hey, I'm Catholic, but I'm still kind of bothered by the way Notre Dame fronts like they're actually something when they're kind of not. I don't know where they fit mm. in, but I'll tell you what, the SEC <laughs> is very, very sharp. And if you had any questions about Greg Sankey and kind of how ruthless or how uh, conniving he was, because Mike Slive was that guy. Like Mike Slive was the kind of guy that would just absolutely assassinate you 
right in front of your face. He was a killer. Great for the SEC. Sankey's not been that guy so far. He's kind of a works behind the scenes. But man, this heist was very Slive-esque and it was outstanding. It's going to help the league unbelievably so. I bet you once they enter the league, and I think it's going to be 2023 myself, you hear a lot of 2025, but I think they can find a way to get in earlier. It's going to immediately bump up the payouts for Auburn and everybody else 20 to 30% right there. And so we're talking, you know, 10, 15, 20 million dollars more. Dude, that's a great, that's a win. That's a dub. That's that's a dub for every program at Auburn, every athlete at Auburn. I think it's great. So if you're AM, clearly you don't feel that way. Uh what are your what are your thoughts about AM? I mean, basically what we're seeing out of them is PTSD from their times in the Big 12. But yeah. what are your thoughts about their 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 sentiments and, and their 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 feelings towards Texas, quote unquote, big brother coming to the SEC. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. It's PTSD. They fleed uh, Texas by going to the SEC. Slive allegedly told them verbally, always get it in writing. You know what I'm talking about, Mike G. Always got to get it in writing. That's right. That Commissioner Slive said that there there would be no other teams from Texas in our league. Dude, he's gone. And if you didn't get it in writing, that's on you, bro. They're just scared. And they don't want to have to split up recruits in Texas with the with the Longhorns because they lose their fair share. And if they're on equal footing and they can't tell recruits, hey, SEC, Big 12, make your own choice. Now they're gonna have to go head to head in the same league and they don't want to do that. But my response to that is just let's get it done. If if you're Texas AM, they got a lot of money, they got a lot of history, they have a good coach. Some would argue a great coach. I'm not sure that I would. Go out there and ball up and let's see what you can do. That's what I have to say. Talk to me, Mike G. I know you hate uh, Texas. Everything. everything in your being. Go ahead. Let's let's hear the talking points, sir. Go ahead. Man, I won't go into their fan base. Listen, everything JG has said is absolutely correct. Um, from a financial standpoint, great for the league. Um, for the whole of college football, I'm not sure that it's it's this is such a good thing. We got a 12 team playoff coming. And I already feel like if we had a 12-team playoff, four teams from the SEC would have made it, hands down, right? Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Bama all make a play 12-team playoff last year. Now you add Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, as SEC alum, we are we hear every year, we're tired of the SEC. I mean, if you had SEC fatigue before, you're going to get it. You're going to, you're going to, you're not going to make it in this new world of college football with Texas and uh, with, with Texas and Oklahoma coming over to the league, right? Uh, I could see I could see half the playoff being SEC teams. You know, I just wonder with the rules that they're talking about putting in for the playoff, what does that do? Because you know they were talking about for the top Big Five conferences, highest rated conference winners from the the Big Five all all make the playoffs. Plus your group of five, so six teams, and you eliminate the Big Twelve. And, and what does it do to that? Like, what does this playoff look like with Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC? I, I'm, I, I hate Texas, I, and my reasons are petty. They're petty. Uh, I'll admit. So I'm not a big fan of this, uh, but I do understand how it could be good for the conference. You know, as far as college football is concerned, I'm not so sure. We got a question here. Uh, shout out to uh, Auburn Dad. Good to have you on. He asks, JG, what are your feelings about OU and UT having to survive the shark-infested waters of the SEC when they 
have been big fish in Big 12 Guppy's pond? Uh, in other words, how are they going to fare? Uh, that's a great question, Albert Dad for Life. What a, that guy's an absolute legend, by the way. Um, yeah, I think it's a great question. And one we haven't spent much time talking about, I guess, media folks, we keep talking about how this is going to benefit or hurt SEC or the college football world. But, hey, man, can Texas and Oklahoma keep it going in the SEC? I got questions. I mean, particularly with Texas, because yeah. they're still kind of hypey, but they're not, they haven't been good for a while. I mean, they, I guess they've been kind of good, but they couldn't since, keep they, it going every, in the Big 12. Ever since they've shown Mac Brown the door, they've been kind of eehee. Yeah. They couldn't since, keep it going in the like, Big 12. What is the equivalent team in the SEC to what they're doing? Is it Florida? Is it Tennessee? Isn't it us? Is, is it Auburn? No. No, we've. How is it not? We've yeah, been it, might, it might be all. Be well, you, you might be right. Be well. Yeah, I think you might be right. All right, they were they were in the championship. They kind of got robbed a in little the, bit. So since then, they have not been back to a championship, and they have not made a playoff. I will grant you that. That's all However, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We have, we, we we have done something successful since they win. With fortuitous bounces, right? At least we got. At least we. At least we got there for it to bounce. They. They can't even get there. They can't get. I'm not telling you that they are better than us. I okay. just think you know who's us. Texas and Michigan are all the same team for the last eight years. I think we're all the same team. Promise you expect the coach to do better because of something they did before, and then nothing. I, I don't think I'm not so down. That's why I'm not so down on Texas like everybody else. I, they. They are a. It would be like if you threw Florida on our schedule every year. They have enough success in their history to be formidable, but before Dan Mullen, they weren't able to put it all together. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Mike. I think they kind of sink, honestly. Yeah. What I, recruits do they have access to that they weren't getting? I think Texas was getting talent. They just didn't have yeah, the rules. There's some similarities to us now that I'm thinking about. It. They they have people meddling with the program. Um, let's see. There. Okay. The more I think about it, I can I can see it a little bit. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, we just got a lot less money, which makes that that's actually bad, bad look for Texas. We got way less resources than Texas does, and we're about the same. So, I think yeah. Texas, are te- I'm all for Texas getting their fair share of humble pie. Like, again, I want them to come to the SEC and get polished early and often in our conference. Because, yeah, again, listen, go ahead, the, Mike. The, the rules of the game don't change. The, the, the teams, the, the schools that hire the best coaches rise to the top. I'm not so sure Texas has done that since Mac Brown. Right? Yeah, I'm looking at their records right now. I mean, seven and three, eight and five, ten and four, seven and six, five and seven, five and seven, six and seven. Wow. So, so that's more like Tennessee to me. That's not all. Yeah, that's not even all. So the five, five and sevens were aggressive, right? They're like that. We haven't had any five right. and seven. So I will grant you, we have not hit that low. But their highs are kind of similar. Like, oh, their back is going to be good, and they're nothing. Like 2017 was our high ever since Gus's first year and two years before that and two years after that, virtually nothing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. They need to hire better first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. Right. If they want to compete in any conference, they just need to hire better. Agreed. Um, you know, uh, beyond that, it's going to be tough. You're coming to the sec and you now maybe have a better recruiting pitch when you haven't done much on the field, but development still is going to sell out to a lot of these kids, man. Like, you know, um, I mean, you can go to Vandy and play in the SEC. I mean, they may not be developing kids like that, but you know, my point is, is, is that 
there's no, I don't think there's a whole lot of extra incentive for recruits to go to a program just because they're in the SEC if you still are showing that you don't know what to do with talent and you're not winning. Again, I think it's a big, a black mark on them. You weren't winning in the Big 12. It's been a one-man show with Oklahoma for a while. Well, they're going to have to adjust. They got to adjust how they play too, Mike G. Right. I mean, Oklahoma's really good offensively, but defensively they don't have the dudes, I don't think, to yeah. consistently stop teams like Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Georgia that run the football and grind your face. They don't face a lot of that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I still don't think that the way they develop talent on offense in the SEC, they're going to have much of a challenge making a 12-team playoff, even in an SEC schedule. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm much higher on Oklahoma joining the conference than I am Texas, right? Just because, I mean, look, look at the last three QBs they put out are all in the NFL starting on NFL teams. You know, it, it's really hard to argue with their development process so far. Uh, Texas is just a different story. Uh, they bring a lot of bravado is what they bring. So um, the money, the money will be great for everybody. I, I have no doubt that all the rich people who are going to get richer because of this are going to be super happy. The division realignment is the other side of this that I think I'll be interested to see how that that pans out because you're you're going to uh, maybe restore some traditional rivalries and destroy some others. Well, that that brings us to what we talked about last week and JG we we did a mock up. We did a mock up of what we think this could potentially look like. Of course, this isn't anything set in stone. These are just our thoughts on what this could potentially look like as it pertains to the fallout of conference realignment as a result of those two schools joining the SEC. And here goes. So you see out West, Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas. And at the bottom is Mizzou coming over from the East where they probably never should have been. Over in the East is now Auburn and Alabama. Those are the, that's what we potentially see in the SEC. What are your thoughts? Is this is this realistic? Do you see anything different here? I don't think it will go this way. If I was going to do divisions, I would do them just like this. So there's, I don't have any issue at all with the graphic itself. But I think it's going to end up being 14 pods, uh, west, north, south, and east. And that ensures that you, have, uh, you get to play a wider variety of teams. It is going to sacrifice some of the rivalries, not the Iron Bowl and not uh, the Deep South. Uh, with Georgia, that's not going to be sacrificed. But uh, some of the other little smaller ones, uh, you may not see as much. I do mm. like the pod setup, and I do think it matters to fans to be able to go on the road somewhat often and see these other places. For Auburn people, it's going to be like Missouri. It's going to be like Vanderbilt, so you can go and laugh at them. It's so you can go to Kentucky and maybe see what they're doing up there. I went to Kentucky last time Auburn played up there, and I had a great time. Now I'm a Kentucky graduate, but I don't really care anymore. I mean, I left there... 25 years ago. It was just fun to go somewhere different and see different people. I like going to Vanderbilt too. It's a very quiet place to work. I love that about it. And I love going to their Commodore walk and it's like me and, you know, a couple moms and dads. Like, for real. It's fun. It's fun to go see other things. So the pod format, I think, will allow that to happen and I don't think you have to sacrifice a lot in terms of those really important rivals you got to have. Can Auburn keep up with the spending of UA? Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, and LSU. What are your thoughts? The answer is yes. Uh, but the reality is that that hasn't been happening, and I cannot figure out why. 
And I think this is at the crux of what's wrong with what's what's troubling Alan Green, who I think is a great dude. Love him. He's, I know he's been on your show. You guys like him too. He's a quality human being. At the same time, he's a very unpopular AD at Auburn. And there's people with big budgets. There's people with small budgets. There's people who are new. There's people who are old. All of them are upset with him for one reason or another. And so at some point, you've got to conclude, he may be a really good dude, but he's not doing a great job as an AD. I think there's some legitimate concerns about his seaworthiness going forward, and part of it is the spending. I don't understand why he won't spend more. I don't understand why he was cutting budgets 10% before COVID. And I think a lot of other people are wondering the same thing. That's the reason the general is in the athletic department right now, halfway running the show. It's a weird situation, but this is Auburn. Mm, yeah, I mean, we're getting outspent, that's for sure. I mean, uh, Alabama and Georgia spent, you know, uh, uh, over, what, like $3 million on recruiting in the 2019 cycle. Yeah. You well, know, we spent a bunch to send Gus Miles on home or to yeah. Orlando. And we were spending a lot on the coaching staff that was here before they even cut the check. Yeah, uh, so, sure. Yeah. 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 If you take the difference between what Gus was making and Harson is making and you just put it into recruiting, that catches us up a lot. And they're, they're spending more on recruiting now. I will say that. The enterprise itself is a lot bigger. There's more people working in recruiting. And Auburn right. put together a Big Cat weekend last weekend with like two weeks of notice. And the, the recruits and the coaches were stunned by how good it was, by how well put together it was. So mm-hmm. Auburn's doing some work. We'll talk, we'll talk about Big Cat and get your thoughts on how that unfolded. Talk a little bit recruiting with you uh, later on, JG. Shout out to Corey. Corey Dub, good to have you on, buddy. Appreciate that. On the road tonight, JG's blonde tips are amazing. And by the way, in case anyone didn't know, Virginia absolutely double dribbled. No doubt about it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so we had a question early on. Someone asked, where does what does Mizzou and AM go from here? Do they do they do they do they take their ball and go home and go somewhere else? I don't see that happening, but what are your thoughts about what they do? How how upset is AM and are they willing to leave the SEC based off of a broken verbal agreement? Yeah, I think we got lied to. Uh, I think AM's really mad for the reasons you explained earlier, and I don't think Missouri's upset at all. I think Missouri would vote to include those two new teams today. Or tomorrow, I think AM was desperate to try to find some people that were on their team, and they said Missouri was on their team, and Missouri is not on their team. Missouri, mm. I'm told, will vote to approve Texas and Oklahoma tonight, tomorrow, whenever. No problem there. What about Arkansas? That was I'm told the one. only team that has one, that cares at all is AM. That's it. It's 13. Wow. wow. So hold on, JG. Let me ask you this: preference wise, you want divisions? Or do you want, want pause? So you want them. So why no divisions? What is it about? You just like you want to go to different yeah. places, but don't you want to see Bama and OU be like the number one, like that be their cross division rival every year? Like I want to see that. I want them to, to pencil in a guaranteed slugfest every year. Honestly, so Bama has a better chance of getting knocked off. That's I hear what you're saying, B. Will, but I'm old enough. I'm older than you guys. I remember when Oklahoma sucked. I remember when Alabama sucked. And that rivalry, I don't think, will stay hot all the time. It is currently hot, yes. The Iron Bowl is going to stay hot because those kids don't like each other. And Auburn and Georgia is going to be hot because those kids don't like each other. But to me, Alabama and Oklahoma, eh, I don't know. Let's just pot it. 
That's just my view of it. And I I'm, I just like moving around. I like going different places. And and my friends that are just casual fans, Kentucky fans, Kansas, uh, Missouri fans, excuse me. Well, Kansas fans too. They like going to see different places. So let's keep them happy. Let's keep them spending. Let's keep them moving around. Got a question uh, kind of related to related to mm. uh, the new the new coming uh, Texas. Shout out to you, Jeremy. Appreciate the question. Can Sark hold it together? Can he prove that he can do it now that he's back in the SEC waters? I was surprised he actually has comprised an SEC staff. He pulled some guys from SEC pro, uh, programs to coach with them. So they're familiar with the conference, but can he do – can he get the job done at Texas in a new conference? What are your thoughts? I think that he can get it done in the conference, uh, in a tougher conference, which he's going to be facing in a couple of years, but – I think what he's really trying to say is, can Sarkeesian stay sober long enough to make that happen? And I'm not going to touch that. My friend Tory Hunter from the uh, from Pine Bluff, Arkansas, he would say that's a hot tamale and a uh, hot tamale on that one. Mm. Mm. Turn of a behavior pattern, yeah. Nah, I'm hope. Listen, I'm rooting. I'm not rooting for him to beat Auburn, but I am rooting for him to to at least get past and, and slay that demon and keep it slayed. As far as I'm concerned, so. Um, good luck to him unless he plays us. So, <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much that. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with the War Report, and you've been listening to the War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there. Facts and all, the weekend tailgate, our player interview series, building rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Guys, we got anything else? Any other questions we got about conference? Uh, uh, who's Texas' is DC? That I, I want to know what type of ship Sark is running up there because I never Matthew found that. I never looked. All right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, yeah. Full kegs. Cool. I, had an, I had an epic rant about that also being yeah, one of the sure. reasons that I hate Texas. <laughs> So he he hired Montana State's head coach to be the the, he's the co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach. All right. So I don't know much. I mean, I don't know much about I don't follow football that far up there. Hey, one point I want to make. Steve uh, Bradley said in the chat over here, you can forget that OU Bama every year. Cupcake schedule prevent that. He's got a point. Alabama. Yeah, you could. I'm not really a black helicopter guy, but I'm going to be one right here. Everything that happens with the SEC, I feel like it's got to be cleared with Alabama. So they don't want to. They don't want to have to fight Oklahoma every year. They'll find a way to not fight Oklahoma every year. They'll find a way to play Vandy every year. They'll find a way to play Kentucky when they're crappy, and they'll find a way to play South Carolina or Mississippi State or some goober team. I'm telling you, you can book it. They always yeah. get their way. I'll tell you the other kind of thing. You know, in that vein is is that if I'm playing in a um, 16-team SEC with Oklahoma and Texas, uh, I feel like I have almost zero incentive to schedule some crazy non-conference game to kick off my season at all. Like, you know, what is the advantage of playing that game? There's none, zero. You got Oklahoma and Texas in the conference. And so for the first few years, that's going to feel like extra bowl games to a lot of people, seeing matchups that, you know, we would only see at bowl time. With them joining, so uh, you know, some we've had some really, really good uh, college football kickoff games and opening weekend. And you take a bunch of good teams and you de 
incentivize them from playing that game? Like, what do they need it for? I think what you'll start seeing, Mike G, is starting the season with a conference game. You probably start. Yep. You probably start seeing more of that yeah. uh, game one as opposed to scheduling an out of conference. Where, to your point, there's really no point of doing that if you got a stacked conference. No. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us go that route. Uh, we actually kind of started it last year in COVID when we had a straight conference schedule. Uh, but I'd be curious to see if if we go that route because, yeah, and, to your point, there's no do point. We get a, do we get an extra conference game? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a done deal. I mean, that's gonna be, be yeah, it's gonna be an extra conference game. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I, that's that's a lot of, and then two years later, uh, or in the same year that this possibly happens, a twelve team playoff. Yeah, you know, for four teams in the SEC, that's going to be a very very long season. I just don't know if this thing's over. That's all. I, that's well, all I'm that's, saying about that's, that. That's that's my that's what I wanted to get to with Barney Knight. He he, shout out to you, brother. Is the SEC really looking to get up to twenty teams because? We I've heard some other schools' names be thrown out. I mean, yeah. Well, I would like to introduce you at this point to the brand new commissioner and president of the NCAA, Greg Sankey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of NCAA football. Yeah, right. For that man. I'm just saying he's going to be running. He's running college football at that point. Sankey yeah. said carefully the other day that we don't go looking for people; they come to us. And Texas and Oklahoma did come to the SEC, so he's flex. telling the truth. Yeah. But a lot of people come to him, and a lot of times he says, oh, we're not looking to move, which generally means it's it's, it's not you, it's me. Right, I mean, I mean, that's why, you know, when ugly girls come up to you in the bar, and of course that's happened to me a bunch, you kind of say, <laughs> hey, I got a girlfriend, even if you don't. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like that. Yeah. We're in an era now where I think a lot of teams, hot chicks, good teams, are now kind of worried. And I want to bring up one, for instance, Clemson. Mm. They're looking around. They've got their eyes open. Dan Radakovich is the AD there. He's a very bright individual. He should be the AD at Auburn, but we're not going to get into that. Um, he's got his eyes open. He's got his eyes open because he's in a league that's kind of, I don't know if it's really great. With the SEC beefing up here, the ACC starting to look like kind of like a minor league conference. Now, I know you guys, basketball purists, are like, wait, what? I'm not saying basketball. I'm saying all sports, football in particular. The ACC is essentially a one-team league, right? Because Florida State's terrible now. Maybe they get better with all their social media greatness. I don't know. Mm. Clemson's <laughs> coming into this with their eyes open. And if they feel like it would benefit them to get into the SEC, you better believe that Radakovich will make a call to Birmingham and see what's up. I'm just saying. Man, do you think Clemson? Clemson, the SEC? Well, they make okay, sense okay. culturally, right? I mean, Clemson is an SEC team, yeah. I, I, SEC program. Yeah, yeah, it's Auburn with a lake. It is. It's Auburn with a lake. The people are great. Yeah. They have a lot of support. They have great teams across the board in general. Awesome place to go. It's very hilly, though, if you're there to walk. And yeah. they have a uh, they have a graveyard, like, right outside the stadium. I know this because I walked through it. Great place to go visit. So let's say they had Clemson and maybe, I don't know, Florida State. I heard Florida State's name get thrown out there. They'll keep yeah. their eyes up. I'm just saying, everybody's eyes are up right now. Everybody's eyes are up. Heads up. Uh, let, let me ask this question real quick. So with the 12-team playoff, we were, a lot of fans were excited about the possibility that we get to see some of those uh, group of five schools finally make the playoff, right? So we might actually see an undefeated UCF or Boise State in the playoff. Um, I mean, we've seen teams like Utah run to bigger conferences, essentially acknowledging that they could not make it from where they were. I think Utah was in the Mountain West. Uh, Boise State at one point. 
What does this super conference do to those schools' chances of actually making the playoff without joining a bigger conference? I don't know, man. I think they're in trouble. I mean, maybe with the expanded, they get a shot if they go undefeated, but yeah, the margin of error is going to be very slim. And yeah, listen, man, if you're going to Boise State, you got to know that going in. Yeah. Is the Big 12 dead, in your opinion? Is uh, Do they expand and and fall behind the other major conferences? Yeah, what, what, do, what do you think? What teams can they pick up to save this yeah. without Texas and Oklahoma? I don't think, I think they're going to have to recede a little bit. I don't think they can stay on the level they were. And the, you know what the mistake they made is that they didn't get in with ESPN. We, we let off the show. Uh, C-Dub was talking about uh, Bowlesby uh, yeah. getting the cease and desist. Like <laughs> the reason they're doing that is because ESPN doesn't care about the big 12. They care about the SEC. Yeah. And they had a chance at one time to get in with them and they didn't. They chose not to. So that's what happened. Um, I think they're going to have to recede. I think some some more people are going to bounce, maybe to the Big Ten, maybe to the Pac-12, and then they're going to have to start adding people like Boise and maybe just try to salvage something, you know, be, become like the American Athletic Conference. I think the Big Ten should go after Iowa State, and they'll they'll probably pick up a Kansas for basketball. That's what I'm thinking. Doesn't the Big Ten have, like, the most stringent academic standards of, of any Power Five conference? Okay. I think, that's, I think that's actually the pack. I think they have the highest academic standards on average. Okay. Yeah. I know that the, the Big Ten network uh, for a while was the most profitable of all the conference deals. Well, I don't know. I, I'm sure that this changes that. I don't uh, know if this helps, but I got it in Northwestern. So mm. for graduate school, I didn't go. I went to Kentucky instead. Hey, did, I don't know if you guys saw this in the chat, but Bo is great. Says, hey, guys. Thanks for bringing Philip Marshall to the show. I did see that. He's looking old except for his highlighted tips. Hey, guys, oh. it's not Philip. I'm glad to be here, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I was talking to P. Marshall. He's a really good friend of mine. So if, if Oklahoma and Texas are no longer in the conference, then can't even if they scrap together some, you know, no names, let's say they grab SMU and Boise and maybe two others, now they can actually make a TV deal that shares the wealth equally instead of having to consider the feelings of a Texas. But you're Oklahoma. assuming they can keep everybody else they have right now. And I don't think they can be will. That's the thing. Gotcha, I think man. Oklahoma state is really pissed. Um, and that's a, that's a oh, good absolutely. program with a lot of money. Absolutely. Kansas definitely got some good things going with them, not football, but other things. Right. So right. There, there's teams out there. Yeah. So of course ask, ask about the possible of two sec networks i guess one co- assuming they don't go to the pod format one covering one division one covering the other i doubt it i don't see but, that yeah i don't know what you do with the longhorn network but they'll have to find a way to salvage it somehow no it, it goes away it, get, it goes away and under this revenue sharing model I think I think I mean that was the thing that, that a big part of the reason that the Big Twelve was almost done in is they got the Longhorn Network and it was like a last straw for Texas A and M, right? Like what yeah, you yeah. gonna let them get their own network? We're out, if, right? if they if they keep their network, then I understand A and M's point altogether. Yeah, like, I'll never understand their point. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to because they well. should not. Because again, it's all ESPN, so they're going to dissolve that. They're going to figure out a way, and and we heard that the their network wasn't doing all that great in any way. They no, have to know. They have to know the coming in that their network's in trouble. I mean, yeah. you come into the SEC world and it, you know, you don't have the same cachet because yeah. this league's got a lot of dudes like Texas, right? And who are better. Yeah. JG, we got to talk about some things specific to Auburn. Media days. Yes, sir. 
Media Days is in the books. Brian Harson has actually spoken to the press. He's introduced himself. What were your takeaways from how he did? Of course, I think Bo and Owen Papo did a good job uh, representing Auburn as players. So proud of them for the job they did. But what were, what were some of your thoughts with Harson when he spoke at SEC Media Days? Right. Some people see him as boring. Um, my attitude is that he's not boring. I think he's actually a very calculating and careful person. And he's the guy, his brand is tenacity. His brand is being focused on the game. We're going to talk ball. We're going to make you a better football player. You're going to come to a small town in Auburn and we're going to inundate you with football. And you're going to walk out of this place. A really good football player can go to the NFL and make a lot of money or be educated and make a lot of money which I think Auburn could definitely do with these kids. It's, it's a great institution. So he kind of rolled up there with that on his mind. And that's the way that he talks to recruits. That's the way he talks to his players here at Auburn. That's the way that he dealt with things at Boise. And I think that's his message. That's who he is. That's, that's, that's what he's trying to portray. A guy who's really big on details and who cares about working hard and getting better at playing football. That's what I saw at media days. And I think that's exactly who he is. So Auburn people who might say, Hey, Shane Beamer had better sound bites. Uh, Elijah Drinkwitz had better sound bites. That ain't Harson. Harson's here to work, and that's what he does, and that's what he did. My view. I guess as someone who's followed Auburn for years, given the previous coach we had, what we got from Harson is more than I could expect previously, right? And that's I was no surprised. Doubt. I was kind of surprised, and, and that's what you can do, Augustism, by the that was That was an alley-oop to you, JG. <laughs> Uh, so I felt like he did say a lot. Um, I was surprised by the comment he made when asked about his experience going to Auburn in 2013. He didn't have to say that at all. He could have kept that to himself. But yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we talk about this for a second? JG, please. Heck yeah. You want me to just kind of lay it out for you, yeah, my G? Yeah, 100%. So he just kind of voluntarily said when they were asking about Gustav and had the fact that he's followed him at two schools now, he was like, yeah, 13, you know, we had agreed to wear the gray jerseys uh, as the road team that Malzahn had made, but they didn't have a chance to use them. And he said it would be fine. And then we show up at Auburn and we got flagged 15 yards first and second half because we didn't have uniforms that conform to the rules because Gus didn't stand up for what he had said before. Kind of made Gus look bad, and I had a feeling Mike no G would not be very happy with that. Ain't no yeah, kind of. So, uh, just so that we're clear on the record here, is that gamesmanship or is that douchebagship? Well, you know, I, I just didn't remember. I just in the moment, you know. Du- no, got it. Douchebagship. He's a douchebag. Okay. Right? <laughs> I'll let you say it, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, a douche, that's a douchebag move. That's Bush League. That is amateur hour. Now that Gus is gone, I can say he's kind of a friend of mine, but. I mean, that's a douchebag move. Anyway, you made an agreement. You looked another man in the eye and you made an agreement or over the phone. So maybe hypothetically in the eye. The next time I see Gus, I'm going to let him know how I feel about that. And I'm going to yeah. do it in front of Christy, too, and make sure she knows. Yeah, I mean, mm, I just don't. I don't. Uh, did you need the 15 yards against Arkansas State? The, the 30 know. yards? I'm here for the advantages. I got to win games. Yes, I, I don't know, man. I don't like it, honestly. And, I didn't like you, it. Know, uh, you know, subtly... What kind of message does that send to the young men that you're supposed to be a leader and setting an example for? 
that your word doesn't matter. Like I, I, I just have a hard time unless somebody can sell to me that that's some sort of gamesmanship. So Harson have known better, right? Uh, like, yeah, it makes Gus look bad. D Lucky says we all have friends that do stupid stuff. Agreed. Love you, D Lucky. Yeah. And uh, Todd C says it also shows how big of a jerk Gus was. That was a jerky move. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Gus about it. Hey, yes, please report back when you do. Uh, I'll been... say what I'll text him right now. and We'll see what he says. Okay, perfect. Listen, I've been told yeah, that, that there's a chance he's watching. <laughs> well, if, if if that's your buddy, I'm, I know he's watching. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> Chase H asked, "Does this mean Harson is the next coach at UCF?" Um, for us, I'm gonna hope not. Okay, that means he didn't he didn't get the job done here. Yeah, is, yeah, what, that's is not, what I'm gonna take that as. Yeah, that's uh, not I, where you're I know, that, I know that's tongue and cheek, Chase, but but yeah. Um, so yeah, so again, I I I thought Harson did everything he was supposed to do in media days. He he basically signaled a culture change, which is basically what he's supposed to be doing since he's set foot at Auburn, right? And he just talked about his expectations being a tough team, being a prepared. Like, these are things that we've been clamoring for uh, in recent years. And so it was good to hear it. Of course, we would love to see it, more importantly, on Saturdays. But he's at least saying all the right things, JG. What do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, he's definitely saying the right things. He's big on competition, which I know Mike G's fired up about, because I think a coach should be. Yeah. And. Although I've been skeptical of some of the things Mike G has said about Bo, you've been a little hard on him, but most of it's been fair. He hasn't earned anything. I don't think he's earned anything. I'm of the opinion that unless you're Aaron Rodgers and you've been the the starting quarterback for whatever, 12 or 13 years, that's a different deal. Bo Bo hasn't been that. So, yeah, come into the season and compete. And if he wants to mention Grant Loy and people get upset about it, hey, man, that's how they work. You got to earn your spot. Bo Nix has to do it, too. By the way, Malik's doing great. <laughs> facts. Yeah. yeah. Is that facts yeah. or nah? No, the answer is facts. 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 Malik. Yeah. Although Malik, like that, that, a lot of that's on Malik. A lot of that's on Malik. And he would tell you that if he had you on the if you had him on the show. I've talked to him about it myself. He wasn't <laughs> in the right mindset, but there's things that could have been done to help him get in the right mindset. I will say that. But yeah. he acknowledged oh. his role in some of the things that went on at Auburn. Anyway. Well, what do you, what do you, uh, and again, do you think more of it, like when he alluded to culture change, right? He was asked about the culture and what he observed. Again, these are other things he didn't have to mention. So we talked about trying to figure out why guys are actually showing up late or not finishing drills. What do you think the angle was there with him? Just basically just saying, hey, things have changed here at Auburn under my watch. I think it's an accurate assessment of what's been going on, that he felt like there was a little bit of a double standard going on at Auburn under Gus. My approach, my answer to that would be that Gus, people talk about how how strict he was and how weird he was, but I think that he was generally a player's coach. Players liked him, by and large. And I think part of that was because he he, he sided with players a lot. I mean, Duke Williams, he would have been gone. Most coaches would have kicked him off the first or second time he did some of the stuff he did. But Gus didn't do that. Gus liked Duke, and he understood where Duke was coming from, and he tried to give him a lot of chances. Uh, Gus gave people a lot of chances. And I think sometimes that led him to having double standards for certain players and not others. I don't think he meant to do it that way, but he just kind of did. Harson 
and now this these guys are pretty much straight up. You just you got to work, and I think that's good. I do think that's good. We'll just see how they if they if they act that way in four years. That's that's the thing. That's that's the trick. Right, right. It's right. easy to yeah. do that in the beginning. It's hard to do that four years from now when it's all your dudes, guys you've you've recruited. You know what I mean? The promises you've made along the way, you got to keep them, and we'll see how it works. Players seem pretty um, outspoken about a lot of the changes, like the difference in culture and what they're being asked to do in on on and off the field. They've been all noting very publicly that this is very, very different than what they've been accustomed to under the last coach. So, yeah, I think the big change uh, is Pittman is uh, the strength and conditioning guy yeah, at, at Auburn, and he's more of a traditional football. Let's be a powerful team that runs people over, which wasn't what Ryan Russell was doing. But as I mentioned on your show many months ago, you did. He's working for a guy, and he's doing what Gus tells him to do. He's like a chef at a restaurant. You know, and you're working for the boss. And if the boss says, make it this way, then you make it that way. I think Ryan Russell could have made Auburn bigger if the head coach had wanted him to. So Harson has some pretty traditional values as far as what he wants his offensive lineman to look like, what he wants his defensive lineman to look like, big hulking monsters that are very strong. And they're getting that way. And I think these players are used to that in their high school systems. That's what they were taught. That's what they were trying to be. It's a little bit different, I think, for Ryan, with Ryan Russell for reasons I just mentioned. But now they're back to a more familiar paradigm as far as strength and conditioning goes. And I think they liked it a lot. Mm. Realistically, what in, in your opinion, I, I don't know if I don't know if we've asked you, JG, but in year one, what do you need to see to say, you know what? I see improvement here. I see, I see, I see the tables turning in favor of Auburn. What what are some things that you need to see from Harson in year one under this team? to let you know, hey, we're moving in the right direction. All right, I want to see, number one, I want to see spirit. I want to see guys that when they get down, they're fighting harder. And guys that when they get their butt beat, they're down 0-28 against some goober team like, say, Texas A&M, that they don't quit. I'm not saying the last team quit. I mean, I'm just saying I want to see a team that goes double hard when they're in that situation instead of just kind of trying to grind through. I want to see spirit, and I want to see belief. That's the number one thing I want to see. The number two thing I want to see is intelligent adjustments on the offensive side of the ball. I think Kevin Steele did a fine job last year. It's my opinion. I think he was really good. I thought the offensive strategy was weak for a while. And I suspect that Harson and Bobo are going to be better as far as that goes. I want to see it. When somebody is jamming up Auburn's run game, I want to see them go to a different concept and beat them with it. I think they could do it. They've got an All-American tailback. They got a quarterback that I think they can unlock some some potential out of him. Those are the two things I want to see: spirit and thoughtfulness on the offensive side of the ball. Mike G, what are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking for. I'm. I, you said spirit. I'm just looking for that dog, right? I'm looking for some guys who are finishing plays, going after it, doing all that weird stuff that Jay Z is doing right now. Like I'm looking for that. Right. I'm looking for things to get um, very, very, very competitive. And I'm looking for Harson to, you know, kind of rustle some feathers, man, and, and make some guys uncomfortable. Right. I think that a lot of players have had it had it way too comfortable. Um, uh, and now that people's jobs are going to be on the line and, you know, we're being told from the inside that, listen, the message that's being sent is nobody's job is safe. 
nobody's job is safe. So you are going to fight every day in practice for your spot or you're going to sit the hell down. And I love that. I think that it mirrors a little bit more of the attitude that you see at some of the more successful programs where, you know, guys are starting to focus on the everyday consistencies that produce winners. And what we're finding out is, is that there wasn't a lot of consistency in the way some things were handled and it produced an inconsistent result on Saturdays. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was not so great. You know, and I think that most of us would just take the slow climb, kind of like what Bruce Pearl did with the basketball team. Yeah. Uh, over, you know, the the one year instant success only for our expectations to do nothing but fall off after that. Because by all intents and purposes, our basketball team had a pretty mediocre year last year, but nobody's calling for that coach's job. That's right. It's not even in question. You know why? Because whether he can develop or not is not in question. Right. Right. So, so I, what I'm looking for is I'm looking forward to Carson producing some of the consistencies that don't allow us to question his process. No matter what the record is, unless the wheels are falling off the wagon completely and we have a losing record, you know, if we had an eight win season, nobody's saying it does feel like we're on the cusp. Okay, that didn't exactly go our way, but you know what? This guy knows what he's doing. He gets a couple more recruits, SEC championship. I believe, you know, JG said some uh, important earlier that money isn't really the issue. You, You can't figure out why we're not spending it. Now, let me tell you, that was a question that we asked. Alan Green, straight up. I'd pull any punches in that interview. Uh, Caesar and I asked him, um, or I right. and I asked him. Yeah, we said, hey, listen, is there a plan to financially support this new coach to help him expand his recruiting footprint? And his he said re- yes, right? Well, you know, he said they didn't even have to talk about it. He said, we don't have to talk about it. The expectation is Auburn is, is that we're, you're here to win championships. That means going to get the best athletes in the, in the country and in the world, wherever they are. Now, I, I don't have to tell anybody that we have been massively getting outspent in recruiting while also losing the battle at home in our own footprint for recruits. The head-to-head battle. With Alabama, we're losing in state. We've been losing it. They're getting the be- their pick of the athletes here and abroad. That can't that can't be the case anymore. If you're not going to win at home, you need to go find some four and some five star talent elsewhere and bring them in. And then what does Harson do? Right, one of the first guys he he lands is a four star from way outside our recruiting footprint. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I think he gets it. Right, like I think he gets it. And so uh, I'm just I. I think that, you know, I wondered, and I don't have any inside information, if the amount of money, you know, what I was trying to ask him without asking him during that interview was, is the amount of money, because he said that, that I asked him, I said, why do we pay $21 million to get rid of Gus? And he said, when we evaluated the program, there wasn't the hope around it that one might look for. And I wondered if that lack of hope led to lack of dollars being invested into what they were doing. If you already feel like it's a bad investment, do you just keep sinking money into it? I'll be interested to see if Harson pulls off nine wins this season and then beats one of these, either LSU, Bama, or Georgia, somebody we've been losing to every year for a while. Um, especially if he goes on the road to LSU and gets the win. That's what? happened in a while. 
Yeah, 20 years. Does one of those purse strings start to loosen a little bit in year two? Right. Is or, you know, I w- I'm re- going to be really interested to see uh, what the tw- 2020 numbers even look like. I don't think we have the 2020 recruiting spend numbers. The last one no, uh, we looked at was 2019 because uh, reporting lags while they compile all that data. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see again if, if you know, either we're going to rec- rec- expand our recruiting footprint or we got to start winning more at home, man. And the only way to win more at home is to win on the field on Saturdays Word. and show kids why they should be choosing Auburn. Offensively, we have not been doing that. It's, right. it's been a hard sell. Right. If you're a quarterback or a wide receiver, I don't know why you would have chosen Auburn over the last eight years. Well, offensive linemen. Yeah. They have no reason to yeah, come here. I agree. So I'm looking for just some consistency. That was a long way of saying I'm looking for some consistency and everything. <laughs> hey, Auburn. Auburn gets outspent, but I don't think they get out-earned. I think Auburn has as much money as these other folks, but they just don't yeah. spend all of it on the way that you would think that they should. And when I asked Alan Green that question, I, the answer didn't make sense to me. It sounds to me like maybe the answer didn't make a whole lot of sense to you either. Yeah, you know, what he said was that there's a budget, right? And the budget is not infinite. So, you know, uh, the coaches are given the latitude to spend that budget how they please. So when I heard that, I heard this is not him talking. This is me talking. I'm thinking we had the sixth highest paid coach in college football. We also were like top 10 in staff spenders too. too. We had the, the, the right. tie for the highest paid assistant in Kevin Steele. And I mean, we spent just about as much as anybody on coaches. So, you know, while we're getting this mediocre result, the spend on coaches is going up and up. Yeah. So where's the return on investment? For Rapport family, it's your boy, Mike G. The 2021 season is almost here, and we're cooking up a bunch of amazing new content for our listeners. New segments, new giveaways, new interviews, and new game day experiences. But you have to be an insider to get in on the action. So head on over to YouTube and search for The War Report. When you see the channel, look for the join button. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss what we've got coming. So keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and get your weight up by becoming an insider for the 2021 Auburn football season. Let's go, baby. Now let's get back to it. And I think that's part of the issue. I'm, I'm speculating, too, because I know nothing. We're, we're just... Yeah. Parsing what we took from Alan Green's interview and these reports that JC, uh, JG mentioned, <laughs> JC, that JG mentioned at the beginning. Um, but so if you've had these mediocre seasons, like 2019 was a okay year. We were a quarterback away from a, a fantastic season. Right. So we lose that game at the, the bowl game. We lose the next year's bowl game. What if we dial it back? I, I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is what if we were paying so much for coaches and staff? that we were really outspending what we had to spend. The hope around the program had been drying up because people were starting to see a pattern here. So some of that, that fundraising slows down, but you're still on the hook for paying this guy, everything that that's in his contract and his coaches too. So what if we were really overextending ourselves? And now that the new coaching staff has come in, he's like, Hey, listen, I get it. You want to do a lot of stuff. Look at the books. The books are red because we were overpaying for a coach. We were overpaying for the staff because the results weren't what we were paying out. So we're behind. 
And I've got to dial this back. Like you said, JG, he would he dialed it back before COVID, right? He did. Yes. Ten yeah. percent cuts uh, in the summer of 2019. Do you wow. do you think that was he was just still taking his marching orders from his boss that was no longer there? Great question. Uh, absolutely. Yes, I, that there is a problem there that he was hired by Leith to be an AD for a president who was very heavy handed in in athletics because that's what Leith was. Currently, he Clearly. works for a guy in Jay Gouge who is not heavy-handed in athletics. So it's almost like he's working for the wrong kind of guy. He's kind of a pro-style quarterback in a dual-threat offense, in a, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's part of the problem. But right. regardless, I don't. I just don't think he's going to be the AD a whole lot longer. I don't. I just. Don't, I just think it's untenable. I think he's too unpopular. I don't think that at this point, the fact that the general is working in the athletic department. And there are coaches that we talk to who are reporting to the general. They're no longer dealing with Allen. It's it's a perfectly Auburn situation. And I, I just feel like Allen's got to go. I, as much as I like him, I just think the situation's untenable for him. And he, I, I think he knows it. Man, that sucks. Uh, Blake R. says, Stephen Leith was the worst president ever. <laughs> Is he wrong? Possibly is, so. Is, yeah. is, I like it. Blake, you're not, I don't think you're wrong. And that is a sentiment. The staff and faculty as well. Yeah. He was, uh, he was very, uh, he liked dissent. He liked dissent. But I tell you what, he didn't like Bruce Pearl very much. And uh, Alan really stepped in and uh, did I what didn't he know about this. I didn't but know about this. But at this point, I don't think Alan's super popular with basketball either. So, mm. you know, whatever happens there. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I look at it, I'm just thinking, uh, uh, Winning, and we we just can have a process that that creates some of the hope that he said we were missing. I really believe it'll start to solve a lot. It'll solve winning solves a lot of myriad of problems. So you know, you get on there, top ten recruiting classes we've averaged over the last you know since ever Gus has been here. Um, so there is there is talent, there is talent there, and I think that Harson took over a reasonably talented team. Agree, agree. This team has. I, if they maximize what they have, it's a pretty good ball club. I mean, they're going to win some games. Yeah, right. So you take that talent yeah. and you do one to two wins better a year than the last guy, which right. is eight ish, right? It's it's about it's about nine no, nine wins. Nine. It's nine, nine wins, nine. right? Yeah, you stop getting your ass kicked by Georgia and Alabama every single year. I mean, if you lose, if you lose a game, you lose it knowing that you were actually in it, right? Like, right, it, yeah. it's, it's one of those things to where you... I'm tired of asking, do I really want to watch the second half because I know how this is going to play out? Like... Right, yeah. Like, I'm just... I'm ready for... Before before we get to the giveaway, I just want to see a... To, to what you said, Mike, I want to see a dog. I want to see spirit, JG. If we get hit in the mouth because that happens, some, again, I think Bobo and Harson are going to do a good job of preparing the offense. But sometimes, sometimes the opposing team has a better game plan initially, right? Sometimes they're more, they have a better uh, plan of attack and it works. What do this team, what does this team do? When they get hit in the mouth, do they taste their blood and start swinging back or do they just fall to the mat? And do we make adjustments as the game goes on, right? Or do we just continue <laughs> to run up the middle on first down? Or do we continue to do whatever it is that's not working in the game plan? Do we just go away quietly? Like, I, I just want to see, I just want to see 
spirit. I want to see a team that fights. And even if we lose, I know that we didn't lay down for our rivals. Like I can live with that. Yeah. Listen, I can um, live with that. This, this, you know, one thing that they can do to inject some hope into this program is figure out what the hell we're doing at quarterback quickly. Right. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't, it doesn't, no matter who it is, we just need to look like we're moving forward in that area. Word. I think in terms of development, that is the one position that Gus left rock bottom for Harson. And in my mind, there's nowhere to go but up from what he got left. Hey, man. So, Anybody he gets, else sick of losing to Georgia? Yeah. I mean, I'm so yeah. sick of seeing Auburn lose to Georgia. The way that we're losing to Georgia. Georgia, yeah, yeah. It's not just the loss. Yeah, it's the it, way we're losing. It's when we beat them, it's a miracle of some sort. And when they beat serious. us, it's a beatdown. It's Georgia, man. Yeah, I mean, let's I've, get down to the real serious talk here. This is not Alabama. It's Georgia. Well, even with them, JG, tell me, in, in 2019, did you, did you even after that win, did you believe that we were the better team in that game? No comment. Okay. All right. <laughs> there you go. That's a, bad, that's a non-answer saying, answer. That's right? right? one thing in Alabama. They have all the number one picks, but Georgia? I don't understand yeah. that, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, it's time to move forward. We got a rivalry uh, we do here at the Auburn site on the Rivals Network with our friends at uh, UGAsports.com, which is also on the Rivals Network. We got have a rivalry going, and they talk a lot of smack at us because Georgia beats Auburn pretty much every year, except for nineteen or seventeen, rather. And I'm just kind of tired of it because I don't feel like Auburn is second. I don't feel like Auburn should be second fiddle to Georgia all the time. If the team doesn't look like it. And I know the schools don't look like it. And I don't understand why Auburn loses to Georgia so much. And we have had years where Georgia was down. And we lost to them. Yeah. Anyway, I want to ask JG something. Heck yeah. We were chatting on Twitter. And I said, hey, look, looks like it's official. They've requested OU and UT. They're coming on board. 2025, their deal is up. And you said, ah, not so fast. What could transpire? So that we get that Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC the same year the 12-team playoff starts. Hey, now. Uh, I am told from a source at Oklahoma. Now, I, I'm just going to say this one time. I went to high school in Oklahoma. I, I went to high school in Tulsa. I have a lot of friends at OU. Some of them have money now. I don't, but they do. <laughs> I had one of them tell me that there was a way that Oklahoma felt like they could negotiate their way into a fine. It wouldn't be a big deal. It wouldn't be expensive to get out in 2023. So that's kind of what I've been thinking. I've seen that pop up a few times in uh, in the reporting. I think Ross Dellinger wrote that at one point. You know, Delhi used to cover Auburn. Uh, I met Delhi when he was he was writing about Auburn from the Decatur Daily. So he's now the Sports Illustrated guy. He knows everything. We love Delhi. Uh, but I think I saw him report that as well. A few legitimate big-time people have written that. So I think 2023, Oklahoma feels like they can get out reasonably at that point, which means a Texas can too. So for me, that's the expectation that they they, they start in two years. Mm. Wow. And yeah. Auburn plays Oklahoma in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge this year in basketball. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Oklahoma's coming here. So that'll, yeah. be, that'll be awesome. Wait, 2023 is the anticipated start of the 12-team playoff. That is correct. So right. they would come over. B. Will's right on the money there. Playoff, Hell yeah, right? he's just taking a head. This is wow. going to be insane. Big brain on B. Will. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> this, we're talking like six teams in the playoff. 
Except now, well, you know one thing that this does clean up, though? This cleans up the whole, oh, the SEC doesn't play anybody out of conference. Our conference is 10 times better than every conference, so I don't want to hear any of that anymore. You wouldn't play anybody else either if you had Oklahoma and Bama and Georgia and LSU. And they had, listen, who cares now? Like, we, I don't want to hear anything else about that. We are yeah. ironclad. We are foolproof. You're not arguing against the SEC champion getting in, against the SEC runner-up getting in, against the third-place SEC team getting in. Everybody's just got tickets stamped already. I yeah. love it. I wonder what's the most teams any single conference has ever had in the top 10 of the rankings at one time. Right? Has anybody ever had more than five? Yeah, we've done it. it. Back when we had, we were on that little run, right? From oh, what was more it? than five teams Six to twelve? It's yeah, we did at some point. I want to say we definitely did. Don't uh, bring def- up 2012, B. Will. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I went in the hospital after that A and M game, and I'm not joking. That's not a, an apocryphal comment. Mm. The that game against well. Texas A and M was, was like five thousand to zero. That was a terrible night. Like, that was a bad night. For, I think Jordan Hare cried itself that night. I like, went in the hospital. My, my heart couldn't take it. I'm not oh. joking. I was in the hospital for two days after that. Oh, oh man. Man. Right. Mm. Ugh, man. But, yeah, I, I just think that that Don't top 10 could look I – think, I think you could see six or seven SEC teams in the top 10 at some point in the season. I'm just saying. You're, I think you're right. I yeah, think you're right. 16-team playoff. So, again, if you had SEC fatigue before – do we do we apologize in advance? I don't have SEC fatigue. Oh, I don't see Auburn getting there. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have it either. I'm just saying, outside of outside of the conference, they complain a lot. Waller has a question here: Does the SEC champ championship game go away after the 12 team playoff? Great question, right there, Walt. Great yeah. question. Mm. I think that it does have to go. I do think it has to go. It's too many games. It really is. And did, did, but how do you pick a winner? Just straight up? If it's the pods, I guess. If it's the pods, it will be tough to figure that out, right? Yeah, yeah it would be really tough that. to figure that out. It's going to be like the 1990 National Championship where it was like Georgia Tech and Colorado, right? Yeah. It was like who voted for this guy and who voted for that guy. I hate that. But I hate those. There's too many games. I mean, you got to have not, they're going to nine SEC games, no doubt about it. And so now you're going to add a championship game, which is going to probably require semis, right? Because you're going to have four pods. You would say the champion in each pod would have to play, right? Yeah, that they yeah. can do. If they went to pod, I don't see how you do that. I don't see I how you really do it. Don't. You're right, C-Dub. Oh. I, don't, I don't think that. I don't see how you do that. Yeah. So they've got to go ahead and get two more. Really? Or they I, have to go to divisions like you guys were posting earlier. Maybe that, maybe that yeah. makes more sense. I don't know. Yeah, this is going to be uh, this is going to be interesting. I I think that I mean the divisions will mean that we play Tennessee and um, Florida more regularly. Florida, we renew those rivalries and yeah, probably lose sure. LSU. Yeah, I'd be excited to see Auburn play Florida a little bit more consistently. I don't want to lose LSU until we beat them. I don't want to run tail and go to the east with this losing streak at, at Death Valley, man. That's yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to hear, like, we haven't beat them in 30 years. Like, I don't want to hear that. Over once every five years if we go to pause, but that's what it's going to be. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, this is just me talking. It's my personal opinion. I would rather see Auburn Florida more often. They worry about LSU. I, I, it's just me. I, I think the Auburn-Florida series is better. It's better. Yeah, it definitely is better. And it's a better recruiting battle because Auburn's down in Florida all the time. Auburn's not in Louisiana a whole bunch, and they're not over this way very often. I, to me, it's I like Florida better. But Right, yeah. I wonder, I wonder too, in terms of seeding, 
in a 12 team playoff structure where you have, you know, you know, four to six SEC teams, politics come into play where they're trying to avoid rematches. You know, you've got conference champions versus that large because can't stress enough. The model they were talking about had the five, the, the, the five highest rated conference champions making it, I think, or six. Six five. highest rate. Was it five? Uh, the five highest rated. Five. Right. Yeah. And so now I don't know what I don't know what the rest like. There was a group of five highest rated that was supposed to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I for, I forgot now. We it's, that seems like so long ago. Because <laughs> well, either way, you get rid of the, you get rid of the Big Twelve, right? Is my point. And then you know uh, you've got one less conference to talk about, and who knows what else might get dissolved as a result of this, right? But Does the pack grow? And you yeah, know, yeah. I just I have so many questions about how convoluted this can get, and if they're going to get it right, because it felt like we took a step in the right direction with a fourteen playoff. That a lot of people thought would never happen, and then it happened. And then the talk of expanding that, again, seemed like a very slow discussion. And then all of a sudden we blink, and now we may be headed to not an 18 playoff, but straight to a 12 team playoff. That's a lot of football for somebody. Now, JG, here's the thing that I, I, I before we move on, I wanted, I wanted to address because we were talking about it. What does this do at the end of, you know, in college football, it's pretty traditional that a lot of your uh, biggest, natural rivals are at the end of the season, you know, they're some of the last games played. Yeah. For Iron sure. Bowl was the last game played, right? Um, it wasn't last year, but still. And if you're Oklahoma in the SEC and you know you're making the playoff, whether you win the conference or not, because again, there's a scenario where the SEC championship game might actually go away. It's a great question. I know right? where you're going. Now, now, how much does that game? How much? And you're playing Texas as your last game of the season. How much does that game matter? Are you are you taking an NFL approach? Are you resting guys? You have nothing to gain. You win the conference, right? I gotta, I gotta think that you rest those guys. I and not expose them to injury. Injury at the end of the season, right? I gotta believe it. I don't. I don't like the reality of it. But I'm saying, if I'm the coach, and I've got big game on the line, right? I got. I got a natty. I got to get through. Was that three wins? I got to win three games in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to go full speed against Auburn or Alabama in the uh, in the Iron Bowl. If I'm Auburn and I'm undefeated, and I've already got it wrapped up, so it kills sure. it, it, it kills it kills rivalries. Potentially, it does. Potentially, right. it does. And I will say this: I don't want to bring soccer into this because you guys don't like soccer and nobody does. But in the Premier League, when the people have this stuff wrapped up. They stop playing their best players, and they're willing to go with like. Well, you, see it, you, see it in, you, you see it in basketball. You do like, see, you see it in basketball. The, right. Yeah, yeah. The NBA is notorious for that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah the NBA is bad. It um, is like that. We got a question here before we before we talk briefly about Big Cat Auburn Dad. He asked twice. Sorry, I missed you the first go around. JG, if Green does leave, do we go after Clemson's AD? Right. So he's talking about Dan Radakovich, uh, who should be Auburn's AD right now. Because he should have been hired when Jay Jacobs got hired, and him or uh, my main man Scott Etheridge, he should have been those those two guys should have been the AD and end up going to Jay Jacobs. Uh, I don't think that Dan Radakovich comes to Auburn. I think he's got a great job now. I think Clemson's going really well. I, I don't see any reason why he would come to Auburn. He doesn't have any particular love for Auburn. I mean, he's, he likes Auburn, but he's he's not like an Auburn guy. So no, I don't think he's a the guy they go get. Uh, the thing is, here's the way that's going to work. 
the way things work at college athletics is the president hires the AD. So Jay Gouge is on his way out. He's an interim guy. He was an interim guy. He's officially not now, but he's on his way out. They're looking for a new president right now. They will find one in the next, let's say, 12 months. By next summer, I would expect Auburn to have a new president. At that point, I think Alan Green, his story will be written one way or another. So the new president will find somebody. And who knows who that president's going to be and what his particular preference is. If he comes from North Carolina, which uh, Leaf did, he had a North Carolina background. If he comes from California, I mean, who knows? It could be anybody. But I think the president, whoever the next president of Auburn is, I think that's once that hire is made, then he could start making uh, thoughts or decisions about who he might hire. Because until then, we don't know. I think Rich McGlynn would be awesome as an AD, but we'll see. If Allen ends up leaving in the next four months, I think Rich McGlynn will be the interim AD. Mm. Book, mm-hmm. him. Book him, Dano. Do you think, um, is there a world where we have an, a surprise season? Not a fluky surprise season. Like a legitimate, the defense is as solid as we expected once we saw what we brought in transfer. The offense actually clicks, whether it, it clicked for Bo, um, they got more out of the old line than we thought they could get, whatever the case may be. I say nine and three, that's a little bit pie in the sky, but I also think we're just slept on a little bit because we had too much talent here. And let's say we get that nine and three, and that nine and three comes with a Penn State win and a Georgia win. Is there a world where that makes everything better, smooths over the rough spots in the, 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 for the AD? And everybody can start playing nice because we got some momentum. We're building more revenue. We get a better bowl game. All that stuff is—is is that or is this thing just done? Is it done right now? Is this relative to Alan Green? Yeah. You know, I had somebody ask me that the other day. Somebody who would know. Somebody who is in, embedded with a football program. And he said, "I know Alan's. I know he's unpopular, but if they win, if we win big this year, is what he said. Is it going to be okay?" No, be will. I don't think it is. I think he's too unpopular across the board. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's coaches that are small revenue, big revenue. There's a lot of people that just don't feel like Allen is in their corner, that he fights for them, that he care, that he really cares about them. And I think when, when you have, I mean, it's not like it's one coach who's bitter. It's a pretty wide variety of coaches, honestly. And again, I love Allen. I really, really do. I think he's a great guy. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked well here at Auburn, and yeah. I just... Well, how many of those coaches matter in this discussion? Well, it d- depends on what you mean by matter. And who... This is a... This, this is, this is, we can do three hours on this. Who really matters at Auburn? The basketball coach. I think, I think, Bruce, I think Bruce matters at this point. <laughs> right, we're like, talking about coaches. I thought we were talking about people that matter. Just no, people. I'm, I'm talking, oh, yeah, you're, saying, you're saying he's unpopular with the coaches. I'm, t- I'm saying... How many of those coaches in those sports have uh, you know has it have any weight yeah. in this discussion? I don't right? want to get into that though. Right. So I mean, that's, that's my thing. Right. I mean, I can I can think about I can think maybe swimming and diving. You know, outside of all the Olympic I, sports, I, I just imagine their voices gets louder when you when you you mess you you tick off the wrong one. I think their voices then begin to matter because right. now it's compounding. You're right. right. You, are we, we're ex- we're possibly excluding Harson from this conversation because he was maybe in some ways picked by Allen, right? Um, oh, absolutely. For, the, for this job, right? So that leaves, you know, the next 
biggest voice in this discussion is Bruce Pearl. Right. Um, after that, you know, again, maybe swimming and diving, the baseball coach, like, you know, uh, I know we just hired a new uh, women's basketball coach. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, of the revenue generating sports. Right. Is this does it, is it matter that much at the end that these people could collude to say we don't like this guy? He's gone. All right. Let's, let's, well, let's break this down. OK. Okay, okay. So he went and hired Brian Harson against the wishes of a lot of people at Auburn. Okay. A lot of important people at Auburn. And those people are not happy. They don't, they don't want Alan Green to be the AD one more day. And so as a reporter, I got to kind of think about that. Okay, there's people out there that have an agenda who want Alan out, who want to create a stink to make him so unpopular that he's going to go. And I think some of that's happening. I think some of the people who are pissed off, money people who didn't want Brian Harson, who wanted Kevin Steele, are pissed off. But even taking that into account, I still think he's so unpopular among people that they wouldn't care about. The people that money, people wouldn't care about. So if Harson goes out and wins the SEC this year, I know that's a, that's a huge sunshine point. Yeah, huge. But, right, but I'm hypothetically speaking, <laughs> do you feel like the situation is so bad that not even that can change it? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I, and mm. in fact, I think this thing gets handled before that. I, 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 I don't necessarily think he gets fired because I don't think he's done anything wrong. Like, he's just unpopular. He hasn't. He hasn't embezzled right. money. He hasn't had any affairs or anything like that. Alan's right. like a, a straight up dude. It's just that he's unpopular because of these reasons I told you guys earlier. He's been really tight with the money, and I don't really understand that. And I keep trying to figure that out, and I can't. And he's just very unpopular. Among a lot of people, well, and, I, and I guess that's why I struggle with that. Can't change, JG. I mean, well, right. Where is the directive to be tight with money coming from? That's what I'm talking about, and that's the question I asked, and I don't understand the answer that I got. All right, I, I don't want to get into any more detail. There are other people. I w- I always assume there are other people pulling those strings, the money strings. Right. I would think yeah. it was Gooch. I would think it was Gooch. Right. So the Goose is the one who sent the general over to the AD to look into things. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, yeah, something stinks there. <laughs> Wall says too many bus rides. I, I may I may have to go with you there. Um, Jeremy Redding asks, um, what why why Rich McGlynn, basically? That's a good question. Um, Rich, uh, first of all, he designed the extrication of Cam Newton, right? So he was the uh he was the guy that was involved with how are we going to deal with the Cam Newton situation? He's mm. the one that said, I got an idea. Here's how we're going to do it. Got Cam back on the field, and obviously the rest is history. They won a natty. Now then, here we are 10 years later, 11 years later. Rich is still there. Uh, I don't think he's as unpopular as as Jeremy says he is. Uh, he is a very, uh, I don't know where Rich is from. I should have had that conversation with him by now. But he's a very matter-of-fact, kind of a northern acting dude and maybe some people don't love that about him but he's a very competent individual uh he came from the ncaa so he knows recruiting or he knows uh compliance really really well i personally think he would be a great ad i don't i don't think he's unpopular as jeremy says he is that's all i'm saying Mm. Mm. now he doesn't work with football that is true he doesn't really work with football he works with basketball mostly but I mean, you kind of have to be one or the other in a way, like, right? I mean, if you're going to be involved with uh, NCAA compliance, you've got to kind of emphasize football or basketball because those are the two big sports at Auburn. 
he happens to like basketball better. He gets along with BP really well. And that, that, that's the answer I'd have for that one. Dave Didion works a lot with football. Wow. Mm, that's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Oh, check this out. A good question over here from Jerome Deese is basically they want an AD who's a puppet. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I'm, I want to believe that's not true. I'm not saying he's wrong. Yeah, but I I would I would that doesn't I mean that sounds pretty typical of what we've become accustomed to in these discussions, right? Like so somebody else is pulling the strings. If you're not dancing to that person's tune, uh then your days are numbered. But welcome to Auburn 1995, dude. I mean, this is like when I got here in 97, this is what was going on and it's still that way. Mm. Yeah, I, I I just wish we could just play football and win all the time. Great question here from Andre Swain. Is Bama different? Is there a reason they've been so successful? What, what I heard, JG, you are more knowledgeable, so let me guess, and then you correct me. Okay, so they absolutely would have been the same. It's just that Nick won very quickly. Right, yep. And yeah. you, get, you get hands off, I call all the shots, leave me alone. And it was too much winning, and then he was just bulletproof from there on out. Yeah, I mean, again, if you when you win like that, there's there's not much you could say. Right. It would have to be an all time arrogant. You know, it, it, it reminds me of um, God. Who was the GM of the Bulls who essentially got Krause. Great, Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause, right? Uh, you know, where you got Phil Jack, you got an all time coach in Phil Jackson, arguably the best coach to ever do it, and you're winning championships. You got the best player in the world, and Ego gets in your way and you break up. I, I believe the Bulls could have won two more championships had it not been for that whole let's go tear it down and rebuild it and prove that we don't need Phil and we don't need Michael. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and so that's the way I'm kind of seeing this. I agree with B100%. Right. They hired Saban, they dumped a bunch of money in his lap, and he just won. He won so fast. That even if you weren't for it, what could you say? He's bringing in natties. And Which then he brings in more money. Yeah. And he just keeps doing it. And eventually, he was not going to settle for anything less at that point than total control. He's running that organization. I, I, I believe personally, there are very few people who could pull any strings over Saban at this point. He's written his check. There's not much he can do to get fired or lose his job other yeah. than behavior issues, right? The hierarchy yeah. in Alabama is two people. It's Nick Saban and it's Paul Bryant Jr. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's Those are the it. only yeah. two people that have any real power at Alabama. That's it. Right. And in that Auburn, is. it's a list of like eight people. Right. But mm-hmm. it, but how many? And it's yeah, not but, Brian Harson. Or not, Alan Green. It has not produced any championships in the last decade. Right. So like, that, I mean, yeah, we've got to get to a point, man, where please just let this man, give this man a chance to do this job fairly. I don't I care who fair. hired him. That's fair. I don't care who hired him. Even if you wanted Steele, you cannot want to be in control so bad that you want to see the guy that we did hire fail. Right. So give this guy a chance. Don't tie his hands and just let's see if this go- it can work. And don't set us back another three years. I don't think his hands are tied. I really don't. I don't yeah. think Harson's hands are tied right now. Again, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I think he's got a, a great recruiting setup infrastructure if you will he's got a lot of people working for him Mm -hmm. they've got money spent on people and and just to get recruiting events put together like big cat last week it was done very well 
despite having only two weeks to get ready for it, which is a whole other conversation. I don't think his hands are strong. I think he's got a legitimate shot to go out there this fall and win some football games. And I think he will. I think they're going to be pretty good. So Big Cat was a success then? To me, it was. And I'm somebody who was kind of mocking it a little bit before because it was so hastily put together. But ultimately, they got a lot of four stars on campus. They got a commitment from a four-star tailback. Uh, Damari Alston uh, from Greater Atlanta. I like him a lot. He's a very engaging dude, and he's going to be out there recruiting a lot for Auburn. Uh, so heard, that was good. I, I heard there. Are they really back in the hunt for Amari Kelly? Get out of Trustville? Yes, I, I think they're in the hunt for him. My question is, I think they need, they want to get two wide outs, maybe three. They've already got a commitment from Jay Fair out of Texas. They love right. him. So it's like, do they have room for one or two? Their number one guy on their board is a, is a kid out of Portland, Oregon. Mm. Yes. yes. So, and I think, I think Omar, Omari's a take. I think he's an automatic take, but I, I, I don't, there's a lot of teams after him. Alabama's after him as well. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. But I think their number one uh, priority right now is the kid out of Portland. Mm. But he was there, big cat. Omari was uh, interesting. Uh, he's, a, he's a smart kid. I love talking to him. And uh, I think he would be a, a great addition at Auburn. But if they add him and the kid from Portland, that's it. Because Jay Fair is already committed. So we'll just kind of see yeah. how this thing plays out. But a lot of the coaches we talked to that were there at Big Cat. Darius Clemens. Darius Clemens is the kid out of Portland. Uh, again, that's a Harson guy. He's a West Coast guy. Not someone that Cornelius knew uh, before this, but someone that Cornelius has talked to and really, really likes his tape, loves talking to the kid. I, I think he's an automatic take. He's the number one kid on their board. One last question, real, from Anthony Rudd. Other people asked earlier, what's going on with Caden? So Caden's going to announce on August 1. Um, he is from Lynette, Alabama, over there on the uh, Georgia-Alabama border. If you guys have been to Frisky Whiskey, you know what I'm talking about, yo, yo, yo. Um, I think Caden, it's between Auburn and, and Central Florida for him. I think Auburn's leading. Even though it was very interesting for me to talk to him the other day, I had not met him before. Gus, of all people, Mike G, is his number one recruiter for Central Florida. That is his recruiting liaison. Is Gus Malzahn himself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm just thinking about the other shows where you were like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, so-and-so would talk. Tumberfield was all right. Hartson's going to recruit because, I mean, Gus, what is he going to say? You know, I like Walmart House. <laughs> We'd love to have you down here in the bounce house. <laughs> oh, man. I wow. think Auburn's got a huge advantage here, and I think Auburn ultimately will get Caden's story. He's going to announce on the on Sunday, and he seems pretty, uh, pretty committed that, to doing things on Sunday, so we'll see that then. Gus can't win that recruiting battle. I'm, I don't I'm think not. so. Uh, he's visited Auburn three times, one time to UCF. Um, he's a little thin. He's going to need to add some weight. He can need to eat a little bit and, uh, you know, add a little upper body strength. But a lot of kids do at that age. He To me, he has the physique that Nick Coe had at that same age, kind of a long, wiry dude. Um, and that's somebody that Will Muschamp uh, really, really liked. So Pittman, Pittman will get him right. Yeah, Pittman will get him right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Man. Oh, man. Well, listen, guys, we want to thank you for tuning into the Wednesday Night War Room, which is brought to you, of course, by the good folks at AuburnSports.com. Guys, please always check them out when you need the latest and greatest updates as far as recruiting and other information related to Auburn athletics. And please be sure to share this video, guys. Share the video. 
If you're on social media, add us. If you're on Twitter, use hashtag get your weight up. You know what to do there. Also, guys, please like and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The War Rapport. We're also TW Rapport on TikTok. JG, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Spending so much time with us. We appreciate you, brother. I love what we- you guys do. Seriously. I mean, it, it, it's, this channel's absolutely awesome. Love what you guys do. Thanks so much, brother. Thanks so much. And we thank you for, the, for you guys hanging out with us. We will definitely see you guys soon. But until then, and as always, where you go? Where you go?